host Robert Nguyen and welcome to this week's edition of On The Sideline, a podcast where we talk about all things sports. And this week, we will talk to your special guest, Mr. Carl Williams, TKS Sports Editor, on the changing landscape of sports broadcasting in the face of the COVID-19 situation. We will also talk about what are the changes that we most possibly will face down the line in the upcoming few months and maybe years what will be the new normalities for us and also some other tingling changes like the rise in podcasting and esports so thanks for tuning in and please enjoy my so enjoy our interview with Carl Williams thank you see on the sideline and today on episode 9 uh, we are going to talk about how the sports the sporting world um, react to the changes uh, in the broadcasting um, especially during the COVID-19 situation. And uh, joining me today, uh, we have Carl Williams, a TKS sports editor. Um, Carl, so um, firstly, welcome. Um, and I know for the fact that one of one most interesting fact I really want to talk to you about is today you actually have talked to other journalists about the changes in broadcasting during this whole situation. So can you tell more about it? Okay, uh, so thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I did an article. I interviewed um some sports journalists from different um different like companies. So interviewed someone from the Sun Times, Sports Illustrated, Bleacher Report, and one thing they always told me that was like a constant theme is that they're scared of the access that they're gonna get to athletes after this. And so that was like the biggest thing I learned during this whole trial because like obviously you can do a story through the phone through um, a video chat, but there's nothing like being with the person and like being able to really like find out interesting facts about them. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the thing because I remember when I was working back in Vietnam, um, uh, working right on the sideline as well. There's like a feeling to you when, you know, you are working, you're working with you, you get in the zone and you also get to learn more about the person who you're interviewing as well. So it is, I would say a very interesting dynamic as we're seeing right now and you know um as sports are starting to open up again uh you know we have some sports events already having coverage on tv back again uh ufc 249 was the first one that we've seen back on television and uh we have seen nascar coming back last weekend and other sports is also lining up uh to make a return as well um i've i'm wonder have you saw that and have you seen the changes in broadcasting yet and how you feel about it uh the changes in broadcasting well i mean obviously it's it's gonna be well in terms of like those sports is kind of weird because like ufc uh i think like they didn't i think like they had the tv crew there and broadcast but it's still weird with no fans um and so i think that's probably like going to be the biggest change it's like playing without fans and you like how do you you can't recreate that type of energy. You can't recreate that type of atmosphere. And so, I mean, in UFC, it, it was profound. You can instantly tell the difference. NASCAR, you know, I've never been a big NASCAR fan, but from what I have seen, it's like they're in their cars racing around. So it's not like much of a difference, but like in a sport like football or basketball or baseball, you're definitely going to know the difference of not having those type of fans in the crowd. Like the NBA playoffs are potentially going to start up in July and it's going to be without fans. And you're going to know the difference immediately. 
And a few days ago, uh, John Oliver actually did a piece on sports as well. I uh, and it was a very interesting piece. And we have seen other sports organizations; they were thinking of other ideas of um, of you know slow slowly to bringing sports back. One of the ideas was basically just pick uh, a location and bunching all the teams inside there. Um, however, we've seen that. It doesn't really work at times, especially uh, right before UFC two forty nine. A fighter has to pull out because of uh, because he contracted coronavirus. So, to any other you know, uh, to any other uh, sporting events that are waiting in the wings, what do you think is is you know the best chance of minimize, minim, uh, you know, just reducing the risk of uh, coronavirus? Well, that's a tough. That's a tough question because, like, the coronavirus is such a fluid situation. Um, I personally, I think if they do come back, you're still there's still going to be that risk. There's way too many people involved in a singular NBA game or NFL game or MLB game or a soccer game. There's too many people involved, so that the risk is always going to be high. Now, I know today Woes tweeted out about how the NBA. They had singled out Orlando as like a possible spot for them to host some NBA games. Um, I think that's if they're gonna bring back the NBA, that's the best way to do it. You have to pick one location, and you, but you have to have constant testing. You have to have testing. If you don't have testing, then you don't have anything because you need to know who's healthy, who has it. Because the dangers about this virus is that you could be asymptomatic and carrying it and not know it. And we're dealing with athletes who are in like that top 1% of physical health and well-being. So, you know, if you're going to do it, you're going to have to do it in one location to minimize that risk. And like, we're not talking about even athletes. We are talking even about coaching staffs, coaching staffs, referees, um, people yeah, there's working. A, yeah, there's a lot of coaches um, too who are um, elderly, like Greg Popovich, Mike D'Antoni off the top of my head. There's Alvin Gentry. They're all 60-plus, so they're in that at-risk category. But I think Alvin Gentry has came out and said that he would still coach regardless of the risk. But then you have the people who work in the arenas. They're at risk, too. And, you know, it's just a fluid situation. But they seem, like, hell-bent on returning at some point. I know the players, some players have been very adamant about returning. So, you know, hopefully when they do, the rest, the less risk, the better. I mean... You saw Rudy Gobert before the season got shut yeah. down. He had the virus, and then turns out he did. So then now they have to test Donovan Mitchell because he turned out to have it. They have to test a bunch of people who have even been in contact with Rudy Gobert. And so that's the type of thing you're dealing with. And we have heard that Adam Silver said, if the NBA is back, there is no stopping it. Um, but... Do you think there will be a chance that they have they might have to stop and cancel the whole season though? Uh, so I think that could be two questions. So if what happens if so, I look at it from the vantage point of say, like, what if I'm, I don't want to wish anything on anyone. So I'll just say, what if a team loses a star player in the playoffs, and then you're just told to keep playing? Like that's not fair. You are like that's just from a basketball standpoint, that's not fair. So I want to know, so say a big name star gets it and it has to sit out, then you, you have to stop it. Cause then why would the team in their eyes, that's not fair. Cause it's not like they lost into an injury. This is something that 
they have really no kind of control over it. Granted, you don't have control over injury, but also like, hey, he has a virus that, you know, we all know the risk. So you're dealing with it from that point of view. Um, but I don't, in terms of canceling the season, I don't, I don't think I, I'm 50 50 on that. I don't think that I don't, there's too much money to be lost. Mm-hmm. Um, in canceling the season and the players seem to really want to play. So if I had to guess we're, we definitely will see basketball back. I think, yeah, I do see that other sp- I see that, you know, basketball is one of the most major sports in America. And now we are here and ESPN has projected that with the whole coronavirus situation, it basically caused the whole, I would say the whole, um, the whole sports business around $12 billion. And that is a lot of money to be gained um, you know, in the upcoming few months. And we have seen a lot of these leagues tr- struggling. The NBA has said that they are, a ver- they are on a very thin line right now. The budget is basically to nothing. So do you think... Do you think right now? Do you think right now NBA should start as soon as possible, or should they still gingerly wait until the right moment? Wait, um, what was the first part of that question? Oh, sorry. Uh, so, uh, do you think the NBA should start immediately, or should they still gingerly wait until the situation improves? I think. I mean, it's from what I've seen. There's been more testing. Things are starting to get a little bit better. States are starting to open up, but. You have to, I mean, you, you just have to wait. I've seen July 1st as a, um, a possible starting point. And I think right now you can't start immediately because players also have to work their way back into shape. And so now players are starting to get more access to gyms and um, weight rooms again. So you have to, you know, wait just a little bit longer. And some, I believe like 18 of the 30 teams have started to open up their team practice facility for like working out and stuff. So, you know, see what happens with those remaining uh, 12 teams. And just, I mean, at this point, we're in a waiting game. And the NBA has already talked about pushing back the start of next year anyway and starting in December. So I think they're in the vantage point of, like, waiting because they're in the interesting position. I heard about this on, I think, J.J. Reddick's podcast. They were the first, like, big sports, like, entity to just say, yeah, we're we're suspending the and I know for like me, that that made me really take the seriousness of this issue into account and probably for many others. So they're in an interesting position in that they can't just say, OK, we're back now without like the proper precautions because they were the first to just say, hey, we're suspending the season. It's also interesting because um, the only spot which is, I would say, slightly um, unaffected by now is the NFL. The NFL season uh, basically finished right before the whole situation hits, and now we are looking. And uh, President Trump still said that he is still looking for the NFL to start to start on schedule, but with the situation still hasn't improved that much yet. Do you think the NFL could be the next casualties? They could be. They could be. Um, do I think they will? No, because the NFL at the end of the day is a business, and they want to make money. Um, so I feel like unless things get drastically worse, hopefully not in the next uh, couple of months, I definitely feel like we will see the NFL back in some capacity because it's just too much money to be lost. And then by the time, so the NFL season starts around, well, 
the NFL has been affected in that their like offseason workouts have been shelved, rookie mini camps shelved. So in that point, up until July, the NFL offseason been kind of canceled. But after that, it's interesting. Well, because we'll have to see where we are as a as a nation by July, whatever, late July, early August. And I know the preseason starts in August, so we'll just have to see. But the NFL, I feel like we're going to have football this fall. I do feel the same as well. But uh, talking about broadcasting again, um, since – since I think, you know, we will see a bunch of changes. Uh, um, but do you see, but do you see any big changes to how we're going to access um, the interviewing players in the future or even access just, you know, just um, normal facilities? Um, I'll answer with normal facilities first. So I, like things like the gym, I think you're going to approach a little bit differently after this, you know, wiping it down extra, keeping your distance, just, you know, those little things that we should have been doing already, but didn't. Um, so that would be one. But I think from a broadcasting perspective, yeah, because, you know, most broadcasters, you can't be six feet. Like I instantly think about Craig Sager and his sideline interviews between quarters, like, he's right up next to the player. Like when you interview a player, you're often right next to the player. So that how, like how you interview someone during the game is going to be drastically different. Uh, how much access do you have to a player after a game in a locker room setting? Cause and that's where the bulk of journalism is made in like a locker room setting. And so how, how does that work? Cause our players going to want, you know, different people coming in and out of locker rooms anymore. You know, it's I, LeBron had a funny thing. He said he's not high-fiving anybody after this whole um, situation. And so that's what I kind of think about, too. Like, this is going to, like, impact us, not just in the present, but, like, you know, further down the line. So it, with broadcasting, it's a wait and see. I think it's it's basically going to be a new normal for us, for, I would say, for the next few months or maybe from years from now as well. And It's already a new normal. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Now, like, you're just used to staying inside your house and, like, things of that nature. So, like, we're already living in a new... Like, it's been, what, two months since spring break and we had to come home around two months? So... Yeah. We're already kind of adjusted. I think as a photographer myself, so it's going to be very interesting about um, accessing and taking photos of games next year as well. Because, yeah, like, I remember, like, just, like, running down the sideline, up and down, just, like, getting very close to action. But now, like, with the whole new situation, like, I have no idea how, how you know, how everything's going to play out. Like, you know, do do I need any you new know, uh, protective equipment with me, anything to have, you know, to uh, to wear clothes, to wear a mask? It's, it's you know, it's open-ended. And I'm, I don't know how the NCAA is going to um, have a say on that. But um, I know... But I do think we we shall see what happens next. And also uh, now to broad, to, to branch up a bit broadcasting, we talk about social media. Uh, with sports is basically a no go uh, for a while. We have seen the rise of esports, which is a subject that we have talked sometimes um, uh, during our previous episodes of our podcast. Um, and we have seen some esports events has been successful. Do you think this could? This could be a new norm and also something that other leagues could uh, exploit in the future. Uh, esports, yeah. I mean, esports was. I know um, a lot of NBA players are like big gamers, like Darren Fox, uh, Seth Curry. Um, 
like mostly in that younger dem- like demographic, they are big gamers. Um, so I think you will see a rise in like esports, especially right now, because all you can really do are like go to school, work, work out, and then watch TV or play the game. And so I feel like esports is definitely a thing that's going to be. I mean, ESPN had a 2K competition on like they were like televising it. So you know that's just the kind of content. <laughs> They're trying. They're trying to get any content possible. So I think you're gonna see more like Overwatch League, more 2K, more Madden leagues. You know, it's definitely a possibility, especially when there's no live sporting events. I believe MLB the Show, like they even had a competition that wrapped up a couple of weeks ago. I think right now it's a- like any single kind of sport will works um, as um, as broadcasting tool. Well, because we we're in such a weird situ- situation right now, so like any form of entertainment will work. And with that, uh, I I do kind of see Twitch could be something that we might use a lot in future in sport broadcasting as well. Not not only by the form of gaming, but also by the form of uh, you know just uh, just broadcasts in general. And we have seen how even go ahead. No, I say Twitch, um, because I know um, a ra- one of the ESPN radio stations, they start, they've started to like use Twitch to like broadcast like their radio streams. And I mean, like, there's not much they like. You're not gonna get much now because like, you know, it's like a very weird situation. But it's a cool idea, kind of like like they're broadcasting as they're doing their radio show, which is kind of like what Mike and Mike is. Like when you think about Mike and Mike, that's all it was was a radio show that was broadcasting on television. And this kind of that same concept. And so, you know, you have more of that. That's probably going to be incorporated more because we are lacking that visual content. But, you know, there's other avenues to get it. And, well, that's 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 absolutely true. Uh, even any kind of sports. Uh, like, esports has been something bubbling down in the past few years. And we have seen, you know, uh, last year the Fortnite tournament in, uh, in New York has basically one of the biggest ever attendance and also one of the biggest ever prize pool from an esports event that even went way bigger than just normal sporting events that that you have on television um uh another question um since we are here in this situation um and we have seen how much broadcasting change um how far down the line do you think everything will be back to the normal normal that that we used to have Back to normal. Back to normal. <laughs> uh we need a well. First, we need a vaccine. That's. I, I don't think anything's gonna get back into normal until we see a vaccine. And even then, we're still gonna have to like social distance. But twenty. We're in twenty twenty right now. Twenty late twenty twenty one, early twenty twenty two. I from what I've read and from what I've seen, like that's. One, we need a vaccine. That's the most. We can't go back to normal until we have the vaccine, which is going to be a long ways away. But it's looking like we're in like social distancing for a little bit while, even after we get that vaccine, just to kind of like make sure. I think for sports is also one one of the things we should talk about is sports is uh is some it requires a lot of transportation. Um, basically, a lot of a lot of sports leagues in the world, different teams located in different areas, and on um, transport and you know, transportation is something that we need to take account of because since um, transportation around the world has kind of, I'll say, terminated, kind of. So 
Um, we do you see any big changes on how team will make the transport in the future as well to games, uh, to different uh, arenas and training facilities? I don't think so because I mean, like the way well, at least for the higher up leagues, they have to transport through planes and stuff. Um, so. I think they're pretty much like keep that. It's just all about like white, making sure everything is clean, limiting your interactions with people because, you know, athletes, they probably interact with a bunch of people on a daily basis during the season. So it's just going to be more of that. But I feel like the travel is pretty much going to be the same. Um, well, I know Toronto closed the border. So I'm curious as to what the Raptors will do because they're, most of their players are either still in Toronto or have left out. So we'll see about that situation. But I'll be curious to see for, like, lower levels of, like, say, the NCAA, like, D2, D3. Like, how is that travel going to be like? I'm I'm curious to see how COVID is going to impact, like, especially Division three athletes. Because, you know, with the D1 collegiate athletes, I we don't know if we will have college basketball or college football this fall. But we do know is a moneymaker for the NCAA to broadcast both sports. So in that situation, what, like, so if division one athletes are coming back, so then do we send division two and three athletes to school? Even if like, that's like, so do the Knox student athletes report, even if we don't go back to campus in the fall, it's like that type of situation. So I'm, I'm curious as to how the NCAA will handle that. And also, um, with the whole situation as well, it uh, not only impacts sports, but also just, uh, going back to college. Uh, the school is also under intense pressure as well, especially financially. Uh, uh, both we, we both know Knox has been kind of financially tired um, in the past few months. And with this whole situation, uh, this could cast a big doubt on how we're going to run a sport department in the future, how much money is, is being given. Since uh, we just had the tennis team being, clo- being closed down um, during, um, at the end of this year, um, mm-hmm. do, you, uh, do you possibly see any problems of any, you know, any school running their programs next year as well? Um, um, well, I don't think Knox, Knox is in any like, dire um, need of that but i know like school their school is smaller than us i believe in our conference that like i believe um it was grinnell that had closed their football program so i'm curious as how this impacts their other sports and like uh, like schools on Knox's like um track record but if i had to take a guess yeah because i mean say we don't go back to school in the fall that's another room and board per student that they school won't get and so, I I mean, from what I've read, smaller schools are impacted. Even the bigger schools are going to be impacted. But from what I've seen, um, certain schools and universities have started to say they're going to have classes online. I mean, classes resume in the fall. But, you know, it's a wait and see process. We're in, what, May? And that's so far out that it's a virus and it's changing by the day. We don't really know. We could have a we could have a vaccine tomorrow and things could start to go back to normal by June. It, it's just that type of fluid situation. So, And also last question, um, since also the start of COVID-19 situation, uh, we've seen the rise of something else um, that, well, it was on the rise uh, at first, but now with the whole situation is basically it uh, experienced a big boom, podcasting. 
Um, we have seen a lot of players and a lot of personalities have you know made their own sports dedicated podcast. And with that whole COVID nineteen situation, um, we have seen even even more influence um, the, onto it. Um, and some you know, and with the whole the last dance uh, with ESPN as well. Um, uh, with the whole a lot of discussion um, of the future of uh, of podcasting in this situation, how you see it? Oh, podcasting. Um, I've definitely li- I've listened to probably more podcasts now than I have. Um, the, I've seen um recently of all the all the smoke with Stephen Jackson, Matt Barnes, uh, Knuckleheads with Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson. You definitely there's a lot of podcasts out there now. The Ringer has a lot of podcasts. Um, even like the Comcast Sports Network affiliates are having their own podcast. So podcasting is definitely on the rise. Um, I think part of it is like going to that player empowerment movement and just having you're having like the players are having more influence on their voice and like what they want to people to know instead of like now they say JJ Reddick has a podcast. He doesn't have to wait for someone to ask him to be on a podcast. He can just say directly through his podcast. And so Right now, when you're void of this entertainment, you have to find other avenues. And I mean, no one else is doing one of the people I interviewed for my story. He said this is the perfect time for interviews because no one's doing anything. So like they're going to be more willing to talk than they usually would. And so I think you're definitely going to see a lot more podcasting. Um, I've thought about starting a podcast with Malcolm. Um, It's definitely (laughs) something. It's definitely something like interesting. I mean, podcasting was already on the rise, but now you're seeing like Spotify bought Bill Simmons's podcasting network, and so for like a record amount of money, then Joe uh, Joe Rogan had his podcast, and so got get bought. So you know, it's definitely a business on the uprise, and just like it's people don't want like people don't want to read as much as they can just listen. Like they want something they can just like throw on this like into their headphones and do something else and i think that's the beauty of podcasting and i think you, you got you will get more opinion you will get more insight as well and you talk to people you trust as well and you also might have a my bigger reach of your audience because everyone will be you know on their headphones on spotify on you know apple music just uh listening to what they like so yeah um So, thank you so much, Carl. Thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, we will catch you next time then. Thank you for tuning in to uh, On The Sidelines. No problem. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thank you so much. And uh, we hope to see you again uh, in the future. Thank you.